What's going on, everybody? Hotep family, I say to all my people out there, welcome to another episode of My Unapologetic Perspective here on the Mighty Motivation Network. This is the podcast where we give our point of view of controversial <coughs> topics based off black history, our experience, and our knowledge as African-Americans. In the words of Maya Angelou, do your best until you know better, and when you know better, do better. So it's important to search for information to discover what you don't know, so you can discover your best you. I am your host, Martre Baker-Stevens, and to the right of me is Shaquan Battle. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> and to the right of him is... Last week, um, this week is is going to be phenomenal as well. For everybody to know that we're in um, Women's History Month, and just like Black History Month, Women's History Month is not restrained to just one month. It is um, twelve months, three sixty five, because you can't talk about uh, Black history, you can't talk about American history, you can't talk about world history without including uh, women and their contributions and their influence and and movements and change and uh, social issues um, in this country. But just by doing some of the research that we've done um, to prepare for this episode, what are some of the things that that stood out to you about um, black women um, in this country? Uh, Mine would be sexism uh, from white people, black people, much of what you see still going on today. And I, I would agree with that. I would think that that would be one, one A, and then one B and one C would be um, strength and resilience. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that you had these women saying and doing things that women didn't do back then, um, mm-hmm. let alone black women didn't say or do these type of things. And you had these women that we get ready to talk about. They were doing it and, and very impactful mm-hmm. in doing so. Absolutely. And I um, I agree with much what you guys are saying, because, again, you can't discuss black history. Women are dating black women or encounter black women. No, you're not going to do things without them having to say so in what you're doing. They're always going to be outspoken in, 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 their, um, in the way that they handle things and the way that they move in this world. Um, but you can't look at any type of movement and not understand that black women had an influence in those movements. Um, whether you talk <clears throat> about abolitionists, whether you talk about the anti-lynchings, whatever you uh, talk about the expansion of education, mm-hmm. women's suffrage, civil rights movement, black Panther party movement Vote. and um, <clears throat> um, voting. And even now with the black lives matter movement, you can't talk about those movements without talking about the influence of, of black women. And, and that is just the influence, the leadership, Absolutely. the leadership of black women. And I think that's where the sexism comes in effect. Even now is that we love for women to be powerful and have a, a perspective or opinion, um, but yet we don't give them the leadership or the pay. Absolutely. And and I, for one, if you think about <clears throat> some of the most powerful women that we talk about uh, on a normal basis, a lot of times they're talked about in the light of being that that support behind the scenes, behind the scenes, you know, the, the, the wife or the mother, um, we, we they, they looked at it in that light. But let's be honest for a second that you can't talk about 
Barack Obama, the first African-American president, without talking about Michelle Obama, who mm -hmm. graduated uh, from Harvard University, That's was right. an intelligent woman who mentored Barack Obama That's at right. a law yeah. firm and who had, let's be honest, a lot of people didn't just vote for Barack Obama because of Barack Obama. That's right. It was the leadership, the the ideas from Michelle Obama during that campaign Absolutely. that got Barack Obama elected. You can't talk about Dr. King without talking about the intelligence and the influence of Coretta <clears throat> Scott King, who right. was already... Um, an educated woman as well and during the civil rights movement she was a leader during the civil rights movement That's and right. even after Dr. King's death she still continued to do activism on the LGBTQ and AIDS and even stuff in South Africa you can't talk about Malcolm X without talking about Betty Shabazz, right? right? Because Betty, before she even, that's what attracted Malcolm was her intelligence. That's right. You know, uh, she grew up in a foster home and in the foster home, they taught her certain principles to live by. And she stood by that. She was already in activism at an early age on supporting black businesses and not supporting those white businesses that would not hire black people. <clears throat> so we talk about somebody who she went to Tuskegee Institute and graduated from a nursing program in That's New right. York. So when you talk about um, the influence of black women, they weren't, they weren't just wives. They weren't just mothers. That's, right. That's part of their title of, what, right. they, of what they did. But when you talk about the influence of their husbands, again, Black women never stay quiet. Right. So there's some That's things right. that came out of Malcolm's mouth, that came out of Dr. King's mouth, that came out of Barack Obama's mouth, that came from the black woman. Absolutely. The other thing is, is that we, we talk about them in that sense, in the supporting role, even though we know behind the scenes they were probably leading that charge. Right. But we were to talk about some women who, when we talk about strength and leadership, they went through similar things that people like Martin Luther King and Malcolm X went through because we know the people that suffered the most with their leadership and the activism that they were doing were their, were their families. Mm -hmm. And these women that we're going to talk about today sacrificed that family relationship, that mother being in the homes and a lot of situations. Sojourner Truth, who we're going to talk about, she had to leave her, she had to leave her kids behind to yeah. escape slavery. Mm -hmm. So, um, and then throughout some of these women had to leave their families behind to escape the hatred that they were receiving from the things that they were doing. So they sacrificed their, their families the same way that Martin Luther King and Malcolm X did. Absolutely. Um, one of the reasons I want to do this topic is not just to celebrate our black women. Um, <clears throat> we actually had an earlier, um, episode, I think it was episode three, where we celebrated black women in, in the education system. But there's just a lot of sexism and racism that we talked about within these movements that kind of people don't actually talk about, right? So even in the civil rights movement, you talked about on the previous episodes on the Black Panther Party movement. Um, but one of the ones that a lot of people don't talk about, especially during this time of Women History Month, because you want that, you want that unification, is they faced racism within the women's suffrage movement. That's right. Right. So, you know, a lot of times in the late 1800s, Susan B. Anthony, Elizabeth Canton worked very closely with Frederick Douglass and their goal was to create voting rights for everybody. That's right. Black men, black women, white women as well. But what ended up happening was with the 15th amendment passing, black men got the right to vote. And a lot of white Southern women did not feel that was ideal um, to allow black men the ability to vote when they were considered lesser 
than the white race That's at right. the time. <clears throat> so there was a lot of discrepancy within the women's suffrage movement early on because it seems like black women could be sacrificed at any moment, not just by white women, but by black men. That's right. To say, okay, we'll settle with being getting the right to vote, even if our women can't. White women to say, you know, we'll settle with being right to vote, even if black women can't. You know, so everybody was wanted to have the support of black women, but black women didn't always have the support of other people during that time. And one of the things that happened was that, of course, after uh, black men were able to vote, there was a woman of the one of the movements named uh, last name Willard. She did an interview and she was close with black people working very closely with Ida B. Wells and Sojourner Truth and those people. But she did an interview saying that black men that couldn't read or write should not be able to vote over white women. That's right. You know, and she stood behind her Southern heritage, the same people who were lynching, killing and, and segregating themselves from from black men. And, you know, one of the ones I want to first talk about is Ida B. Wells. Ida B. Wells challenged that theory to say that you're supposed <clears throat> to be for all women. But yet when it comes to these type of causes, you stand behind your white men that kill and lynch That's right. and hurt black people. But Ida B. Wells was born into slavery six months before emancipation. And at an early age, she had learned how to read. And her father, after slavery, began to become real political. Mm -hmm. You know, he became a, a, a real advocate on, on voting and all of those things. So she would read the newspaper to all of the people who couldn't read. They call him the race man, right? Race man. Race man. So she, uh, <laughs> she would read the newspaper. But when she became a, a school teacher... She began teaching at the age of 14 mm -hmm. uh, for the people who go back to black history. A lot of people who just had like a fifth, sixth grade education level could be able to teach other people because a lot of people were already couldn't read or write. But what ended up happening was she ended up moving to Memphis and she was on a train and on the train. She was asked to move back to which was called the smoking, smoking section, section. Um, <laughs> and she refused and she was dragged all she was dragged by three men on that train again again before Claudette Colvin before Rosa Parks before these people this happened on the train. She actually ended up suing the railroad and winning five hundred dollars. But on the appeal, she ended up losing. And in the appeal, they ended up belittling her, which really started her advocation on speaking up for herself. Um, and she began to, to do a lot of writing and she bought a share of the free speech newspaper and she began to do a lot of writings about the gap in education between black people That's and right. white people. And a lot of people say, if you read those things today, it will still apply to modern day That's because right. her writings were, um, was so powerful. And she actually used a different pen name. She didn't actually go by her actual name. So she wanted to remain, um, she, she wrote about a lot of things too, yeah. the, 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 the voting as well. Mm -hmm. So just to put this in perspective real quick. So for those that may not know, black men were actually allowed to vote in 1870. Mm -hmm. um, that was the 14th amendment. Mm -hmm. um, and it, as long as you was a citizen, you could vote. Yeah. The problem is of course, as most people know, we weren't actually able to practice that in the South until 1965. Right. And what happened is they 
they had the Jim Crow laws. Well, the after, the, after the Reconstruction period. Right. right. So you had the, the Jim Crow laws that you could vote in the South, but you had to pass the literacy, the, the literacy test. test yeah. Those are things that they did to try to make it a little more difficult for you to vote. So that was 1870. Technically, blacks had the right, black men had the right to vote. Right. Um, and in the North, they did so. In the South, not so much. Women were not allowed to vote until 1920, which is the suffrage. Right. The so, 19th Amendment. That's right, right. The 19th Amendment. So just to put that in perspective so, so the viewers could, can understand what we're actually talking about. And again, that was a 50-year gap. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that was 50 years later that white women got the right to vote right. after after uh, blacks were, black men were allowed to vote. Absolutely. And uh, the per- the people who got left out in that equation, as, as you mentioned, was black, black women. women. Right. Um, and, you know, Ida B. Wells' writings really went to another level <clears throat> after three of her friends were lynched in Memphis. Um, they owned a grocery store, which was right across the street from a white grocery store. And the white grocery store wasn't doing as well as the black grocery store. So it was a lot of conflict to where a confrontation ended up happening. And of course, the white men were badly injured. And it started out with two boys rolling dice. Yeah. Uh, marbles, playing marbles. marbles. Yeah. And then they got into a fight. The black boy was getting the better of the, the white boy. <laughs> and the, the, the owner of the store came out, jumped in and started punching on the, the black boy. Yeah. And um, one of the store owners came. I think his last name was Stewart. And, um, you know. Uh, fired Henry, a shot, Henry Stewart. Yeah, fired a shot and didn't hit anybody, but fired a shot. And then the next, uh, the next day or a couple of days later, um, some guys came and and all hell broke loose. Well, broke loose. They were arrested. The mob came in, took them out the cell. Which is, I think we've said this on three different people on this podcast right. that, that ended up happening to, and they would end up lynched. Um, but Ida B. Wells began to do her own investigations on lynching in the South. And what she discovered was most of the time, well, one third of the time were the people actually accused of something. That's right. So just put that into perspective. Only one third of the time you're actually accused of doing something. That's right. But the accusations most of the time was a rape of a white woman or an accused rape of a white woman and an accused killing or injuring a white man and most of the time you didn't get a fair trial to see what happened if they were actually guilty or innocent but most of the time they were lynched and one of the things that Ida B. Wells wrote about was you couldn't find many black people in the south who were willing to rape a white woman who were willing to kill a white man because they knew the consequences so a lot of these cases they considered to be bogus and that's why they ended up lynching them because if it went to a court it would be a lot of discrepancy on if it was true or not but she began to write these in a newspaper talking right. about the lynchings and how they were wrong and how white women and white men were lying about these cases. And to the point where white people <clears throat> ended up um, ransacking her uh, newspaper office to where the point she had to end up leaving Memphis. Mm-hmm. But she continued on her investigation. But one thing I want to point out um, about Ida B. Wells was something that we always talk about when it comes to Brother Malcolm um, and even Malcolm, me and even Martin about her international um, approach. Right. And it began at the World Fair in Chicago um, with Frederick Douglass, 1893. 
at the World Fair, there was no black representation for African-Americans in America, which the, for people who don't know, the World Fair is to talk about a nation's um, accomplishments and culture. Mm-hmm. And there was no representation of African-Americans that wasn't stereotyped. Of course, you had the black face and all of those those type of things there. But Frederick Douglass was the only African-American represented there, but he wasn't representing America. He was representing Haiti, That's right. uh, the Haitian government. So Ida B. Wells, Frederick Douglass, and her soon-to-be husband, Barnett, they, they, uh, they created their own pamphlet talking about the oppression That's in right. America. And they handed out the pamphlets to international people that was there. And that was the one of the first cases we see in America where somebody gets internationally involved with the things that's going on in America. Of course, Frederick Douglass, I think he went to London at one point and began to do the same thing before before all of that happened. But they it got to the point where they offered Frederick Douglass, where they gave him a day to talk about African-American right. accomplishment in history. And Ida B. Wells decided she wasn't going to go to that because she said one day was not equality. And That's we right. still see that today with Black History Month. That's so right. this always will give you a month, we'll give you a day, mm-hmm. we'll give you that, celebrate, but the rest of the time is for, for white America. That's right. Uh, but again, we talked about it off air, how she um, she helped co-found the NAACP. She was there at Niagara Falls when they created the NAACP. That's right. But when it came out on who the founders were, her name was removed. And she was surprised that her name was removed. And she felt that it was due to W.E. Du Bois was not advanced or progressive towards women's rights and women leadership, that That's it right. was a, a form of, of sexism. sexism. Of, Absolutely. Um, but another thing she did that I found very interesting because we still see this to this day, which is she became the president of the Negro Fellowship League, mm-hmm. which was smack dead in the hood, right in the projects and the worst of the worst. So for the people who don't understand the Negro Fellowship League, people don't understand rec centers, youth centers that are in the black community. The white communities had the YMCA and the YWCA. These are uh, was organizations built to build Christ- Christian principles, but it was only for white people. Black people weren't allowed to go into those YMCAs and YWCAs. So uh, Ida B. Wells created her own to be able to help people that was migrating from the South to the North, because that's another thing she advocated for in her newspaper was for people to leave the South and move to these Northern cities. Well, actually that, that, that grocery owner, that was one of his last words that he told the, the lynch mob, tell my people to move North or West. Right. There's no justice here for us. Right. Because she was an anti-lynching movement. So Absolutely. she understand the lynchings that was happening itself. And the only place to move, like when you hear about, um, when you hear about the expansion, when the, the great migration, most people say black people move for greater jobs. That's only half the truth. A lot of people are moving because they want to get the hell away from the South and the lynching. That's right. You know what I'm um, but we always talk about, you know, trying to be that solution. And that's one of the things that she was by creating that that fellowship league. It was even to the point where it was one encounter where they said people was outside of the league, outside of the building, rolling dice and drinking alcohol. And they said that they asked, Ida, you want us to go tell them to move? And she said, no, she went out there with her white gloves on and her fancy clothes and went out there and say, look, when y'all done, come on on in here so I can help y'all. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and that's the type of person she was. You know what I mean? 
But um, another key thing I want to talk about is we 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 praise Brother Malcolm for, you know, his advocate of self-defense, his um, advocate. You know, you see people reenact the picture of him with the uh, with the rifle in his hands looking out the window. That's right. But one of Ida B. Wells' famous quotes is a Winchester rifle should be in the place of every black home for protection. That's right. You know, and she carried a Winchester in her home because even though she lived in Chicago, she never conformed to, I only have to live in the black area. Mm -hmm. Her and her husband would live in areas where they weren't welcome. So she always kept a gun on her and she always had a Winchester in her home. So just going through a little bit of Ida B. Wells, I'll let y'all add a little bit more into her and y'all thoughts about what just went through. I, I'm going to speak to the um, the international awareness that she brought. Mm -hmm. I thought was one again. That was that insight that we talk about Malcolm X, but we're talking about we're talking about seventy years before Malcolm X. X. That uh, Ida B. Wells also did the same thing. And speaking of Frederick Douglass, and we'll talk a little bit more about him when we talk about Sojourner Truth. But there was a time after. Uh, he had asked her to come and she declined because she felt it wasn't equality that he asked her to go to Britain with him. Mm -hmm. And she went. And when she was there, once again, as always, they talked about, you know, trying to be a little more moderate in what you talk about over here, because we don't want to get the international uh, attention. Mm -hmm. Again, she defied and she did mm -hmm. some lectures in, in Britain where she talked about certain things in the treatment of black people in America. Mm -hmm. And to the point that, the New York Times at the time, she was publishing a newspaper in New York, mm -hmm. but even the New York Times bashed her for doing that, Yeah, um, which she still didn't care. Lady Somerset yeah. actually tried to stop some of some Absolutely. her coming out in Britain, Absolutely. and they still released it. Yes. She, Lady Somerset actually tried to talk to Frederick Douglass about, hey, can you get her to tone it down exactly. a little bit? Frederick Douglass said, nah, I can't And, do and it. I, I think that's funny. I know we laugh <laughs> now, but when you first sent me the agenda for the podcast, you said we want to talk about the fact that women would not shut up. Women would not because shut up because that's what they wanted them to do. And we're 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 not being disrespectful when we use that term "shut up" because right. that's what they wanted black women to do. Mm -hmm. They wanted them to shut up. These women refused to shut up. Right? They could not shut up. They did not just shut up and dribble. Yeah. Right? They didn't do that. Um, so I thought that the fact that that's what you called it when you sent us the agenda, I thought tells the real story about what these women contributed, but more importantly, the strength and the resilience that it took for them to be able to do that. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm only, I'm only, I'm only going to speak for myself on this one, uh, is the, the, the women, black women will never shut up in this. You think about, like I said, I'm only speaking for me. <laughs> you think about your wife, right? And like we all date black women. So, and it's times in your head, you like, man, I just wish you would shut up. <laughs> but most of the time they're right. Right. Because that truth, that truth is real sometimes. And sometimes black, like a lot of black men, let's be honest. A lot of black men admit to not dating black women because of that. That strong presence. Right. That's right. Because of that mouth. You know what that, I mean? That, that's right. Because they, they tell you the truth when you don't want to hear it. You know I, what I mean? I tell you a funny story. <laughs> so my mom, you said when you're a kid, your mom tells you, brush your teeth. Right? You brush your teeth. Right? But you don't really know why. And it hopefully becomes a habit. Right? Go ahead and brush your teeth. You brush your teeth. And after a while, you just do it. And one day, uh, I don't know if it was Alvin or Eugene, they asked my mom, so why do you always want to brush, brush your teeth? She said, well, you don't understand some of it, but... Part of it is your breath stench, right? 
Which, when your mom tell you that, you laugh, ah, you blow it in the face, ah. <laughs> but the first time a little girl tell you your breath stink, right. feelings hurt, you yeah. going to get the gum. <laughs> yeah. And we ain't big red, get that big red yeah, gum, man. that kill anything, right? So when a girl tells you something, it changes the dynamics of the information, right? right? So we learn early, early age that women are impactful in what men do and how mm -hmm. we do it and why we do it. Mm -hmm. I tell a story all the time. We were younger. We play basketball where the girls at. Mm -hmm. right. We go to the car wash where the girls at. They impacted everything that we did. Mm -hmm. So the fact that women had that kind of power tells you the kind of power that they had in these situations with these powerful men, because you can't have a powerful man without having a powerful woman behind them. Mm -hmm. And, and the, the way that these men, they were complicated. Mm -hmm. So to have a woman that could deal with that at that level tells you the strength of a woman, especially a black woman. Absolutely. There's nothing more stronger. And we see evidence. Right. There's nothing more stronger than a black woman that you could actually bring a child into this world in the conditions of slavery under being raped by a slave owner, mm -hmm. but yet you have the child and you love that child right. and you're willing to die for that child. There's nothing stronger than the love of a black woman for their child. Right. And that continues on to even to today. I mean, we laugh and joke about it. I remember the first time they got physical on the basketball court with you. Your mom shut down the whole <laughs> damn game and you were the biggest kid on the court. You know what I mean? Nothing comes between that a black woman and her child. But the strength of that black woman to endure some of the things that they endured in the in, in doing slavery and after slavery through the women's suffrage, even up to the 60s, even up to today, shows you the strength and the resilience of a black woman. All right. And we're not going to get through all this today. I'm just going to put it out there to you right now. But what you just said is key because Ida B. Wells talked about after she had her kid that she was the only woman probably traveling, still doing activism work with her kid, still nursing her baby. You know what I'm saying? And then I look on Instagram and I see these WNBA players who got to go out of the country and they got their kids with them. That's right. You know what I'm saying? They don't have, you know, LeBron James can go play in the bubble and his wife taking care of things. They ain't got to worry about the kids. They could just play in the bubble. But some of these WNBA players that have kids, you know, they're on the airplane with they them. Don't make that you know, kind of money. They, they, they don't make, they make that, that they, kind they, of money. They, they, but they still have to sacrifice some of their life for their kids, but That's they right. still try to live out their dreams and still try to create change within that. And we still see that today. They also right? have to sacrifice their careers because when they have a child, they can't play. They can't yeah. play. Well, they, some of them still play until, still, yeah. <laughs> up until they, the doctor tell yeah, them, oh, you think, can't. Think about how many potential R&B artists, female artists, that could not be R&B artists because they got pregnant. Yeah. yeah. You know, because the there's there's no... There's no way to market a yeah. pregnant pregnant R&B singer right. that's that's not married. How do I market that, right? So imagine how many women sacrificed their careers to have a child oh my God, and, a, and did not regret it. That's a whole nother podcast. That's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> that's a whole nother podcast. That, that shows you the strength and the resilience of a black woman. Yeah. You know, and 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 I know some people, some people are going to say, oh, they're just doing that because it's a podcast. No. Now, this is real. This is who we are. Right? Yeah. You know, and I can say that because they, they're my son. So, obviously, <laughs> this is who we are. Um, they were raised by strong black women. In fact. Right? You know? Uh, so, I think at the end of the day, when we, when we talk about these women, we can see how they did the groundwork. And then this is important. This is this is probably the most important part when you put it in summary of all these women. When we talk about Sojourner Truth, uh, Ida B. Wells, uh, Ella Baker, um, uh, Fannie Lou, um, when we talk about these women, 
the things the thing that they did is they went through all this not for them mm-hmm. yeah they didn't go through uh uh we we talk about uh fanny fanny lou she registered the vote she went to try to register the vote every 30 days. She had to take a literacy test. Every 30 days, she yeah. went. Mm-hmm. She told him, expect me every 30 days. Yeah. She got beat. She got uh, she got shot at 15 times. Got, fi- run. got fired from a job. Got fired from a job. But she kept going, not for her, yeah. but for us so yeah. that we can go vote today. These are people that put it on the line on the dead, literally. When we talk about putting it on the line, we talk about putting it on the line. And, and, and that's the and, and that still holds true today. You know, I seen a post one day that say, you know, men can choose when they want to be in their kids' life. That's right. A woman can't can't do that. So they have to sacrifice so much, not just for them, but for their kid. And we see so many black women. You know, we talk about single parent homes, but so many black women have to put their life on the black burner. And make so many sacrifices, not for themselves, but for their kids and yep. for the people that's coming behind them. And, and that's key. But hold on, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. And we are back. And we're going to jump right in. Jump back in. You was about to say something. Oh, yeah. Just to piggyback off of what you was just about to say about you know women's lives being put on hold when you know I have kids. I remember uh, the first time me and dad had the conversation about child support. <laughs> he looked at me and said, nigga. When the baby's sick, you still get to go to work. Yeah. The mama got to stay home. So when a woman gets pregnant, her life changes right then and there. As soon as she finds out she's pregnant, your life doesn't alter at all. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, we were just talking off air that sometimes we're programmed to be sexist. Just Mm -hmm. as, you know, as kids and living in a household, if you had a sister, I know you guys grew up, had an aunt who lived with you that was raised just like Like a sister sister, with you guys. She probably did the cooking and cleaning when your mom wasn't there, right? You know, so uh, a lot of those things were based on how we were raised. So obviously, when we when we look back at these times with these black men like Frederick, and I'm not excusing them, right. Frederick Douglass and W.E.B. Du Bois, and even Booker T. Washington, who you know a lot of people don't know, he was involved in this in this Martin sexism De- yeah. a little bit as well. Booker T. Martin Delaney, absolutely. So you know, and and I'm not making excuses for him, but I'm just saying that's how it was. Um, and then again, makes what these women did even that more powerful mm-hmm. because that's how it was, and they went and w- they went against the grain. Yeah. So they're going against the grain against white women, and they went against the, ga- the grain against white men, but they also went against the grain against white black men. Mm-hmm. So you had black men who's going, wait a minute, we 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 on your side? I can't tell. You know, you want us to be behind you in your movement, but you want us to be quiet when we start talking right. about women's rights, yeah. right? You know, and so. that's why women always say they got it twice as hard because number one they black and then number two they're a woman, mm-hmm. and that that's what ended up happening with the uh, the passing of the nineteenth amendment of the women getting the right to vote. Again, black women weren't able to practice their vote. That's right. So when they came to white women about this, they said, "Well, they ain't a they ain't a sex problem. That's, that's a race right. problem, especially southern white women." Yeah. So it was all good. We was all in the fight together when it was trying to for everybody to vote. But now that you can't practice your vote, well, that ain't our you. problem. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, Dad, I'll let you segue into the next person we're going to talk about, which is the book is right there. The narrative of Sojourner Truth. Amazing book. Um, I advise you to go to Barnes and Noble, go to Amazon, cop that. I, first, I'm going to say that we could do a whole week a podcast on this lady. Yeah. A whole week we could probably do a podcast on her. Um, obviously she was born into slavery. Um, and, uh, the thing she was able to do 
And, and, and I hate to use this word, but it, it is true. She was uneducated in terms of a formal education. Right. When we talk about reading and writing. Yeah, exactly. Um, but what she was able to do from an experience perspective, mm-hmm. because she spoke from experience. That's the best education. And anybody will know, especially when you're dealing with black suffrage, is that speaking from experience, one, where there's where there's passion, there's no need for motivation, mm-hmm. first of all. So when you're speaking from experience, I don't need no damn motivation. I got yeah. passion, mm-hmm. right? Because I went through it. So speaking from experience is all, always a, a, a benefit. But also speaking in a manner that could get people to listen mm-hmm. is somewhat of a talent. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because you can have, you can be the most educated person in the world, but if you can't communicate, doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. We can look at Malcolm X. Why did Malcolm X, why was he the spokesperson for the, mm-hmm. the honorable Elijah Muhammad? He could speak. Because he could speak. Well, so could Sojourner Truth. Mm-hmm. And just real quick, her most infamous speech is the Ain't Our Woman. Mm-hmm. And we talked about this a little bit off the air. And the reason that that came about is because they invited her to this conference, but they didn't want her to talk. They wanted her to shut up. And she agreed yeah. that I'll attend and I won't say anything. But yeah, as you right. just alluded to, that's all part of the plot. I just want to get on the court. Yeah, yeah, coach, I do whatever you tell me to do. When I get on the court and I get that basketball, damn that play, yeah. right? Hey, them, the, them <laughs> the tricks that black women get you. Exactly. Tell me the truth. I ain't going to be mad. So, so when they, they, they have this conference and everybody's speaking, Sojourner Truth stands up and says, well, ain't I a woman? Mm-hmm. And this is a woman's uh, uh, movement, right? About women's rights. On our woman, and thus you have this great speech. Unfortunately, because she did not write, read, and write, the speech wasn't written down. Mm-hmm. She ad libbed from memory, just spoke from the heart. And somebody, a few people, did document what was said. However, we don't know exactly what was said because mm-hmm. she didn't write it down. So, a most infamous speech has been misconstrued multiple times by multiple people mm-hmm. in saying what she said. You had one, the well-known one, where somebody tried to write what they thought she said, mm-hmm. but they use words in the vernacular from like a slave mentality, which Sojourner Truth did not have. And that's the key thing is because she was born on a Dutch plantation. That's so right. So she didn't speak actual English at first. She spoke Dutch. That's right. right? So when you talk about, and another thing, after she... New York abolishes slavery, um, eighteen twenty-seven, I think. Eighteen twenty-seven. Fifty years before anybody. Yeah, eighteen twenty-seven. <laughs> um, but her master said that she still owed him work, so he refused to free her. That's right. So she escaped with her um, infant baby to a Quaker house, um, but the slave master ended up selling her other son deep south this is after the abolishment of slavery so she takes it to court and actually wins that case to get her son back um so that just shows you the key uh uh the the strength and 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 endurance uh, of this woman but she was key in talking about three things number one like you said her experience as as a woman 
her experience in slavery because William Lloyd Garrison looked for people like this. When you talk about the Harriet Tubman's, the Frederick Douglass and the Sojourner Truths, because I can be an abolitionist as a white man, but I can't tell you what it's like being a slave. That's right. You know what I'm saying? So you guys experience, even though you may not be able to read and write like Harriet Tubman couldn't read or write, Frederick Douglass could read and write, taught himself how to read and write. Um, but these people were the spokesmen for the abolitionists because they can give you the experience side that most people didn't understand, right. right? They can give you the cruelty of some of the things that was going on in, in slavery that most people wouldn't understand. But she began, and the third thing she talked about was her Christian principles, her religious beliefs. And she would just go around speaking at places. She would just tell crowds to come listen to us speak. I'm going to tell you what's on my heart. That's right. I'm going to tell you about the God that I serve. I'm going to tell you about my experience. I'm going to tell you about my book and what, and what, and what I had to go through. And these are the things that attracted crowds. And she had already had a name before going to that conference. That's right. So she was kind of like, the advertisement. That's right. Right. To get people yeah, there. Yeah, to get people there. So they when they got her there, they say, Look, you're here just for the presence. She was like six foot tall. She, or she something. was six foot tall. <laughs> like, That's you right. know what I'm saying? So she stood out from everybody, That's not alone right. for being black, but for how tall she was. And you know, she they said she got up and walked very, very slowly up there before she before she made her speech. Now, again, we talked about the discrepancy on what she actually said, but one of the first things that came out of her mouth was, may I say a few words? I want to say a few words on this matter because there were some Southern women there who, number one, didn't even want her there. That's right. But they didn't definitely didn't want her to talk. They threatened to walk out if she talked, but she said, hey, may I say a few words? And one of the things that she says is she says that I am women rights. I have as much muscle as any man and can do as much work as any man. I have plowed and reaped and husked and chopped and mowed. And can any man do more than that? I have heard about the sexes of being equal. And I can carry as much as any man and can eat as much too. I can get it. And is she, what she's saying this here is, I can do all of these things. But you won't let me do all of these things. Right. The only thing I need is the opportunity. Because we could talk about sexism we could talk about racism we could talk about all of these things but a lot of it is due to the lack of opportunity that's right so you can say that the men's game and w and the nba and the WNBA is two totally different leagues we understand that but if you don't give them the same equality and opportunity the same advertisements the same amount of money the same um promotion that you give the nba will never be there that's right so you can always say you're lesser than us if you don't give the opportunity right. you can always <laughs> say black kids is slower than white kids if you don't give them the proper education Absolutely. in a black school and the same funding that you give so what she said in those in that brief moment was all we need is the opportunity and we'll show you that's and right. women have done that throughout the course of history absolutely absolutely you know I, i'm with you that was one of the things that she always would say some of her most infamous quotes are based on her comparison to what she did versus what men did. Mm -hmm. And it's like you said, yeah, she, we know she probably can't lift as much as a man. Right. But her contribution was just as equal. But we see, we see some women doing some lifting now that like men at the YMCA looking like, Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you know what That's I mean? right. right. And the thing is, is it, it doesn't matter whether they do more or less. It's that they have the opportunity. Mm -hmm. And see, that's the whole thing. When we talk about affirmative action, and, we, and we've talked about it several times on this podcast, 
we're not saying hire the black just because they're black. Right. We're saying hire the black because they're equally qualified. Yeah. That's all we're saying mm-hmm. is because if not for affirmative action, they won't even to, get the opportunity. Yeah, you won't even get an interview. So it's all about the opportunity. And then you start judging them based on their merit or work. Right. But you got to give them the opportunity yeah. first. And that's where we struggle. And that's what she's talking about. So a lot of the things, not to switch gears, but when we talk about what happened with women's suffrage and all of these women had similar agendas, they wanted to talk about the lynchings and the treatment of black men being, being done or, 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 or perpetrated by mobs mm-hmm. um, and facilitated by law enforcement. So they were basically investigative journalists. Right. Mm-hmm. They were part of newspapers and magazines and pamphlets. That's what they did. And when we were talking about Ida B. Wells, she talked about federal guidelines abolishing lynching. Then we, we, we just, just now. now signed the bill. Just now. Yeah. <laughs> so we talked about how far we came. We must, we we on bicycles. We we just got we the bicycles, we baby. just got a bill passed of black women hairstyles. We talked about that in just the a couple of days ago. We, we just got that. That's uh, right. That's been sitting on the president's desk for the last five presidents too. So you talk about that that especially those black women who may want to wear their hair natural. That's right. You know what I mean? They may want to wear the braids, the or the but, dreadlocks, but they can't do that. Well, they couldn't do that in some in certain states. That's right. Um, in the workplace. That's right. I could I can have a tattoo on my neck and get a job, but I can't have braids. Yeah, <laughs> I can have piercings all up yeah. on my nose and it, all everywhere. But else. the hair got to go. Yeah. The hair, the hair. <laughs> you know, and and the military still enforced that that your hair can't come down to your thing. So a lot of black women that have these dreadlocks have to put them up in a certain way. That's right. Anything else you want to add with Sojourner Truth? You, you still got you got you still got time though. You got something for Sojourner? Nah, I don't. What? I mean, other, uh, what? So at, at at this conference that she spoke at was it just all women? Well, uh, I think it was a few men in attendance, I believe. Um, I'm not sure if Frederick Douglass was there or not. Um, I don't know. I think one of the people who originally said they transcribed what she said was a man. That's how I, that's how I can say there was somebody there was a man there. Once again, a man speaking. But I, I think you I think you kind of if I'm looking at it in a different perspective, you kind of have to have men there because those are the people you're trying to convince. You know what I what I would employ people to do is Sojourner Truth and Ida B. Wells mm-hmm. and, and any of these women, but specifically these two. Um, Because we've already talked about them is is when you do your Google search and you go to Wikipedia, I want you to look at the accomplishments, their contributions, and how far they expand. Yeah. So so just the contribution. This is the first time Mm -hmm. I'm gonna tell you to do this. Yeah, read everything. That'd be great. I would love for you to. But when you get to the bottom, I just want you to look at the contributions, the decades of contributions Mm -hmm. that they've made to this country. And and the span in terms of from from Massachusetts to to New Orleans to Chicago, mm-hmm. look at how to California in certain cases with yes. Sojourner Truth, the, the the how it expanded across the United States and for, internationally for, and for internationally, Britain, right? um, and you talk about that and you say. None of this is any textbook you're gonna read in school. <laughs> I, 
I'm, I have it right here, the Wikipedia, and she has 116 references. I've been on Wikipedia of famous people, and they may only have two. I, I mean, this is, this is amazing, and they're not in your history books. Right. They're not it, in your history And you're not in your history books because it was almost like we got to choose between Harriet and Sojourner Truth. That's right. We want to talk about two black women abolitionists that escaped slavery, so we're going to do one, and we're going to go with Harriet. You know, her story is a little bit more Hollywood. That's right. You know what I mean? And it, it's almost a disservice to Sojourner Truth because she has to be that person that stands behind Harriet. To some people, like, well, she didn't run like Harriet and go back and get free slaves like yeah, Harriet. That's but right. what she did was still impactful going from. And this here's the thing. A lot of people still don't understand this. When we talk about New York abolishing slavery. That's one state. So for her and Frederick Douglass, uh, remember, remember the, the Slave Act. That's right. That if you were if you were um, captured, you could be strolled back into into slavery. Uh, watch the movie Twelve Years as a Slave. A show, um, a show that. So when you're traveling to the Midwest and all of these other places to speak, that was a dangerous thing to do. As much as the Civil Rights Movement as marching and going into to diners and all of That's that stuff. Right. What they doing was just as um was just as uh as impactful and still as dangerous. That's why Frederick Douglass had to go to London That's right. for a few years because his name because he thought that his slave master was gonna come back and try to take him to court to Bring him back into slavery. That's right. So that that's a key thing too. So you they don't understand the dangers that came with that. Y'all good on one more thing about okay. Ida B. Wells too. When you Google Ida B. Wells, I want you to look at you know, how she lived in. This lady was elegant. Yeah. You know, this lady was elegant. A part and of the elite. Yeah, yeah. And I, I thought and and kudos to you too, because the women that you selected that we go through on this podcast, there was a there was two varieties. One, you had the formal educated, and then you had the informal educated, yeah. right? that both had similar impacts on the movements. And I'm saying movements with an mm -hmm. S because right. there was multiple movements going on that these women was associated with. And all of them surrounded two things, black rights and women rights. Mm -hmm. um, but you had people attacking this from multiple fronts. And you can't say enough that most of this went on in terms of the suffrage mm -hmm. in those states that I always talk about. Mm -hmm. Yes, New York still had racism and it still exists today. So does Massachusetts and all these. So does Illinois. I know you hear most of these people migrated to Chicago. We talk about that all the time. Yeah. Most of your people end up going from Mississippi and, and from Alabama and from Georgia and they're going to, to Chicago. Mm -hmm. But you had the same similar issues in Chicago. Um, but you mostly hear about this suffrage in those southern states, mm -hmm. um, ones that were impacted by Jim Crow laws, why, which is why when, when, when blacks got the money, they decided that they were going to go north. They wanted to get away from, not because of just jobs. Jobs was important, mm -hmm. but obviously we know the jobs didn't exist because when we talk about Cabrini Green yeah. in Chicago, you had all these people that migrated to Chicago and went no damn jobs, yeah. right? But it was enough just to get away from what was going on in the South, you know? Um, we're at 46 minutes now. We're just going to stick with these two for today. Okay. We're just going to stick for these two today. And 
something else about Ida B. Wells, because you talked about her, you know, she was considered more of the elite class uh, of Chicago. But there was a um, there was an organization. I can't remember the name of it. There was an organization created um, right after well, right in the midst of the great migration from other elite black people in Chicago. And they created their organization. Um, there were churches and all these other people who created these organizations because they felt that they were better than the Southern people coming up. That's right. Because they didn't speak the same. They weren't looking for jobs. So they felt that they had created their own avenue in Chicago to where they had some type of influence with white people. So they felt like the blacks coming in was going to hurt that. Ida B. Wells didn't buy into that. Like I said, she started that league right in smack in the hood. There was a guy who was a well-known gambler and had a gambling establishment who said that, you know, I want to start my own theater in, in, in Chicago. And Ida B. Wells helped them. She helped organize a fundraiser for it to bring in people who can do dance and, and sing and all of these things. And the church protested against her on it. They said they didn't want her to have relationships with people like that. The church that she went to, they spoke out against her. And she said, I don't care. We're going to do it. No, we're going to put it right. church. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to put it right smack into the hood. And, mm-hmm. and, it's, and that created the avenue of where people later on began to perform at. But it was because Ida B. Wells decided that she was going to help this gambler, this hustler, put this organization together. She didn't care if you was rich. She didn't care if you was elite. She didn't care if you was a sharecropper coming up. She didn't care if you was a, a, a addict or a gambler. If it was progress to be made, it was to be made. And there's so right. many people who don't have that mindset because she traveled the world and she's seen so many different types of people that her life was contributed to helping black people um, no matter what. Yeah, and she she went against people that that she would have considered a friend. Right, she went against them, you know. And we talked about that with uh, 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 Frederick Douglass, and right? Booker T. Washington, and 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 uh, Willard. Yeah, um, she went against those folks. If those folks did, um, Mary Terrell in Chicago, yeah. mm-hmm. um, another activist during that time that um, wanted to silence if. You, if you if you will, uh, Ida B. Wells, and she went against the grain. Right. If she did not think it was going to help black women, she went against it. Yeah, and anything that she thought was going to help the cause, she did. Right. Again, keep in mind, none of this was for them. She didn't yeah. go through any of that for her. She went through it for people like us. And the funny thing is, uh, she didn't get the respect, and we still see this today. When you think about lynchings in the South. Who were most most likely to be lynched in the South? Black men. Black men. So I'm not speaking for black women being lynched. I'm speaking for black men. So when you can't afford me that same type of support, then it's a problem. And what do we see mostly in the black community today? Black women advocating for keeping the safety of black men. That's right. But we always see the most disrespectful woman is the black woman by black men. You know what I'm saying? That's right. And and that's one of the things that we see as a race, that racism and sexism comes into our own community and our own culture is it isn't always ideal for for our black women, but we do it to them on a last place. This is one podcast I wish we could have had a black woman on here to get her perspective. Um, 
That is something that's going to happen. If you listen to this podcast as a black woman and you would like to speak on this, contact me so we can try to get you on here because I, I would love to go on depth from one of these conversations. Uh, on, uh, yeah. On, you, know, black and, and you know, I know we, we talk about that. It, it probably, if you look at it in the general situation, uh, uh, situation that they don't women, black women, these black women specifically may not get the credit that they deserve. Maybe universally, definitely in the, within the United States, but within the areas that they contributed, Oh, they did. Right. And they do. I mean, I think about Ida B. Wells in Chicago. If I'm not mistaken, she they she has the first housing project named after a woman in the United States. Mm -hmm. Right. Which is huge. And I know people say, well, that's not a great thing to be remembered for. It is when you have a housing issue and yeah. you need somewhere for those folks to go. Um, people talk about the projects all the time and housing projects being bad. Well, the idea was not bad. Yeah. The result was bad based on the politics yeah. surrounding it. The right? Funding. But the idea was a great idea. That's why it's called housing projects. It was a the project. project. It was a project. It was a project. The problem came with build out building outward from building right. forward. How do you sustain this project yeah. and the people that's in it? Because you have to have employment. And again, it goes back to what we said on previous podcasts. If you put black people in that situation, but they control nothing in that area, yeah. what is it? Another that's form the, of segregation. Yeah. That's the thing. Is most, most of the time when you go to like these universities, these dorms or these gyms are named after donors because they donated the money where the housing projects were named after people who advocated for yeah absolutely delivery. that's yeah. a great point yeah. that's a great and, point and you know, that's why you got your malcolm x boulevards and martin luther king drives and all these other places i mean you got you we we have our just due but we just got to start taking care of it um we just got to take care of our black women and we um, we just seen it i ain't gonna say no names but this year in rec league football we seen it where most people took their kids to play some in another county because a black woman stood up and said, I'll coach because it wasn't enough men. And I'm not going to say a name, but they won the Super Bowl. So yeah, facts. you're all welcome. Facts. And that just that just shows you, you know, the the discrepancy. And and still, we still deal with sexism today. You know, I can't count how many times I get on Instagram and I see a dope WNBA video when the comments is like, who, st who watches the yeah, WNBA and all this other stuff? This. You know, it, it, it's Oh, the main one is uh, get back to the kitchen. Yeah. That's yeah, but you know this is just 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 touching bases of we go a whole six months on just talking about women, talking about directors, actors, singers, That's all of right. these things. We we we'll be all day talking about. Black it's women. just if we talk about these women and these women were instrumental to leading to the first black to actually run for president, man or woman, which was actually a woman. Yeah. Um, so I think in terms of what these women did and just historically what black women have done for this country, again, goes back to what we say on every podcast. I think that that word hatred is so large and alive today that continues to want to put black people in a box, mm -hmm. continue want to, to wanting to put us in a certain, uh, light in terms of this country, which is enslaved, right? They want to attach that. So when you go from enslaved, okay, you're not enslaved anymore. But then the next word is inferior. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we went from being enslaved to inferior. So where are we right now? Mm -hmm. So we're not slaves, 
but are we still treated as inferior? Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So what these women did was to try to get us to the next level. We're not at the next level yet. Yeah. People may think we are. Okay, Barack Obama won presidency. That's it? That's right. it? They gave, oh, they gave us Juneteenth Day. My bad. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. We're, we're there. No, we're still not there. We're still not there. Absolutely. Uh, we're going to pick this topic back up next week. Um, just marinate on this. Um, go get that book. Go read. Go do your research on these two women um, that we talked about today because more is about to come. We love y'all. Peace.